Girlfriends, episode number 41, How to Handle Social Media. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another episode of Girlfriends. I'm awfully glad you're here. How's it going? How was your holiday weekend? Here, um, so far, I'm having a crappy day. Thank you for asking. Um, I just recorded this entire podcast and it disappeared. I'm not usually the kind of person that this happens to. I save stuff. I'm on top of things. <laughs> but I'm using a new computer with an updated version of GarageBand. And apparently, I stink at it. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm dealing with. I just lost a whole episode of Girlfriends. But I've decided that it must be that it was terrible. And so you're not meant to hear that version that I recorded earlier. It's meant to be this version. I even decided to change which topic I was doing. So I'm looking at it as a positive. I have been saved from myself in that terrible podcast that I was going to publish and share with you all. Anyway, I hope you're having a better day. It's early on Monday morning. It's still the holiday weekend for a lot of people. I am actually working today, so I'm trying to get this in before my workday starts. And um, But we had a nice holiday weekend here. Um, if you're in Canada, you had Thanksgiving, which is awesome, and I hope you had a good one. And if you're in the U.S., some of you have celebrated Columbus Day. Some of you um, have protested celebrating Columbus Day. I know that's happening at my daughter's college. Um, but then others have a long weekend this weekend. My son, Eamon, my um, second oldest, was home from college this weekend, which was super nice. We also had uh, the sandwich fair this weekend. Now, for those of you who don't know, I live in a tiny town in New Hampshire, and there's an even tinier town next to us called Sandwich, which I know is a funny name for a town. Sounds perfectly normal to me because we've lived here forever. But um, in Sandwich, they have the Sandwich Fair, um, you know, the county fairs, the old-fashioned Charlotte's Web kind of thing with the Ferris wheel and the cotton candy and the rides and whatever. And all the animals, um, they do that every year. And the Sandwich Fair is the latest one, the last one in New Hampshire. So it's a pretty popular one. And they had great weather for it on Friday night. That's when we went. Um, you pay 20 bucks per person and can go on as many rides as you want, which my kids thought was awesome. We took the little guys, and Dan and I actually had a lot of fun. I have a lot of memories of going to the sandwich fair, not when I was a kid. I never went when I was a kid, but of taking our kids when they were little. Even before we lived here in this house, we would drive over to Sandwich and take them to the fair. So I have a lot of memories kind of tied up in that place. And some years when we've gone like toward the end, like today, this is Monday, this is the last day of the fair, it can be kind of depressing to go over there. <laughs> I just like everything's closing down and we're getting ready for the winter and whatever. Uh, but it was totally fun to go on Friday night and um, they had great weather on Saturday. So I think they had a big day there that day. And then today, like I said, is the last day and I had to get up early to bring um, my daughter Juliet there who's running a booth for her class at the high school. They're doing a fundraiser selling t-shirts or something. Anyway, so 
even though it's a day off for a lot of people, I was up early and um, driving her and then trying to get this in before the start of my regular work day. And this is funny, but I, when I have to get up early for driving kids, especially or whatever is going on, I always console myself with the idea that, oh, I, that means I can get my workout in. That means I can get my run in before the start of the day. And as dorky as that may sound, that really works for me. Because if you um, regularly work out, maybe you know this syndrome where you spend your whole day like stressing about where you're going to fit it in in your day. Where am I going to get my run in? And to me, it's a total stressor. I hate it. I really do. I I hate having that on my brain all day. So I love it. If I get up early, I give myself that little motivation like, hey, this got me out of bed this morning. I can get my run in and I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to feel fabulous the whole day knowing I got my workout in. Don't have to stress about fitting it in somewhere else or in between activities and whatnot. But that didn't work. Well, it worked for getting me out of bed this morning, but then it didn't work in reality because it was freezing. <laughs> it was, okay, maybe not technically 32 degrees, but it felt pretty darn close. And so cold this morning that I could not make myself want to go for a run after I drove Juliet over to the fair. I'm going to have to try and squeeze it in, I don't know, like at lunchtime or something when the sun's been up for a while. So cold. And yet I know I'm being a baby and I am a baby this time of year for the cold because I'm not accustomed to it yet. And it feels like a shock to my system. I know I will run in colder weather than this. I go for walks all winter long, even when it's way below zero and whatnot. So I'm not going to be a wimp all season long, but I am a wimp today. I could not make myself go out and run in that cold. So I'm not enjoying the benefits of the fact that I got up early and being able to gloat all day about how I fit my workout in. I'm sure I'll get it in. I'll stress about it, but I'll get it in some point later today. Hey, if you have tips for me with that regard, because you know what else is going on? And depending on where you live in the country, you're experiencing the same thing. I'm getting squeezed on both ends of the day for daylight. (laughs) The sun's coming up later and setting earlier. And so there's a lot less daylight. My son, Stephen, who runs on the cross-country team, was trying to fit in a, a run yesterday. And he wound up cutting it short because it got dark unexpectedly. He didn't know it was going to get dark that quickly. And yet there he was out running and, and the sun was setting. And um, well, here in this uh, little neck of New Hampshire, that is not a safe thing to do. And it's not because people are going to attack you or cars. There are actually very few cars around here, but uh, it's because the animals come out in the dark at night. Speaking of which, um, we have a bobcat. Uh, I will eventually get to our topic, (laughs) but I have to tell you about our bobcat, okay? A bobcat that's been lurking in our yard, eating our chickens every day. This is horrible. And, um, but even more horrible is my response that now that we're down to like six chickens, I'm like, will this thing please just eat the rest of the chickens before the winter? Because caring for chickens, any of you who raise chickens, is tough in the wintertime. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. So I've got six chickens right now, only five of which are hens, none of which are laying regularly. So I'm like, uh, how do I get this bobcat to just finish off this flock? <laughs> is that terrible? I'm going to hear from the animal rights people. Okay. Anyway, not not entirely serious about that, but it actually disturbs me that we have this bobcat, which is a large cat. I actually didn't know how big they were, but... Um, it's it's a big wild cat that we have hanging out in our yard and uh, watching us and watching the puppy. That's the part that makes me more nervous is the fact that this cat is out there and it could 
easily eat Mr. Potts. Okay. He's like six pounds soaking wet <laughs> and this cat could easily eat him. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. So yeah, um, give me, give me your tips for squeezing in your, your fitness in your day, especially as you're losing daylight on both sides of the day. And give me your tips for protecting small animals from bobcats that are hunting in your yard all day. I know these are unique problems probably to me alone or other people living here in New Hampshire. Um, But anyway, I'd love to hear your feedback on those topics. Um, Before we get to today's topic, um, the other thing I want to ask for your feedback on is movies. Okay, Dan and I, last night, as we do a lot of times on weekend nights, decided to watch a movie together, and then we spent, and now this has been happening on a regular basis, we spent fully 90 minutes, like an hour and a half, looking through Amazon Prime, looking through Netflix, trying to find a movie that we would enjoy watching together, and you know what, we're not even that fussy, We like a lot of movies, and there are so many movies out there. In fact, as we were going through and browsing through, there were a couple that we picked, and you know, it doesn't cost anything if you have Amazon Prime, so we would just be like, okay, this is it. This movie looks decent. Let's let's try this one, and you know, not even 10 minutes in, we're like, oh my gosh, I hate this movie. This is so stupid. This is going to drive me insane. I can't possibly enjoy this movie, and we would stop watching it and then go back to browsing, and it was insane how much time we spent. And, you know, like I said, this is becoming a regular thing where we're not finding movies that we enjoy. So I'd love to hear your recommendations for date night movies. Not that everybody has the same taste, but if there's movies that you and your husband have enjoyed together, tell me what they are. I would love to make a list and maybe I'll put a call out on social media for the same so we could kind of have a list of movies that we enjoy. And like I said, we enjoy lots of different movies. In particular, I love romantic comedies. But maybe you've experienced the same thing, that Hollywood doesn't make decent romantic comedies anymore. It makes raunchy romantic comedies with really vulgar humor. And I'm not even a prude. I don't mind some language. I don't mind having to maybe even fast forward through a scene or two. That's not great. Um, But when it's nonstop, and it's really the theme and the flavor of the movie, it's not fun for me to watch. And in my opinion, raunchy humor is like the opposite of romantic. So don't, at least don't call that a romantic comedy, okay, Hollywood? And um, other kinds of movies we like are like, you know, I don't, I've watched so many like violent movies because that's, of course, what my husband enjoys. Um, and I don't mind either some, some violence as long as it makes some kind of sense and as long as there's decent writing or a decent plot or some kind of a mystery that's unraveling or something like that that will keep my interest. But stuff that's just like, gore and violence for the sake of gore and violence. No, thank you. And, you know, I, so I would love to have your recommendations for date night movies, stuff that you and your husband have enjoyed watching. And yeah, uh, sorry, I don't want black and white recommendations. I can't handle it. I know some people are really into the old, old movies, really enjoy it. I actually find it really distracting to watch those really old movies and it feels super lame. And I know there are some great movies and, you know, actually Casablanca is like one of my favorite all time movies ever, but you know, there's a certain point where, okay, I actually want to watch something that's current. And in fact, one of the movies we started watching last night, 
we didn't get to the end of it because it was getting late and we were tired, but um, I'm not even remembering the name of it, but it was, it was from like the early two thousands and I was so distracted by people's phones, their flip phones. <laughs> and I know that's stupid, but you know, these are the kinds of things that influence how you enjoy a movie or whether or not you can fully engage in the plot. And um, so some of that was amusing, but also distracting at the same time. So anyway, I'm, I would love for us to build a list of movies that we can share with each other and, um, you know, kind of share what you have enjoyed as a couple, especially, um, you know, I have different standards, different criteria for what Dan and I will watch together than what we'll watch all together as a family. But maybe that could be a separate list that we would also put together, which is um, a list of movies for family movie night, which is another thing that we enjoy doing and always have difficulty finding a title that everybody will enjoy that's engaging for all different age levels and appropriate for all different age levels. So I know it's a tall order, but you know, give me your feedback, Danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. Like I said, I'll put a call out there. And speaking of social media, that is today's topic. This week, I want us to talk about social media. Why? Because I am so sick of social media. I am nauseated by Facebook people. You know, part of the reason Dan and I were watching a movie last night was so that we would not be watching the debates because I am, I'm just sick. I'm sure a lot of you are too. I I know I'm not the only person who feels this way. And it's not because I don't usually enjoy politics. I usually do. I've traditionally been a very politically engaged person, but this particular political season is just so gross to me. And the options that we have are despicable to me. I'm sorry. I know maybe some of you are out there like really feeling good about whatever candidate you're supporting this election season. Good for you. If you can have that kind of feeling about this election season, I I think it's rare um, that, and you know, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't love these people. Of course he does. And of course there's hope for every human being, but these are despicable people who stand for despicable things, who've done despicable things, and we're supposed to elect them to be our leaders, and I just can't stomach it anymore. So, yeah, I'm thinking about just shutting off Facebook for a while, and so I thought that it would be good for us to kind of talk about the role that social media plays in our lives, because it actually plays a significant role in many people's lives, especially many moms that I know. And it actually has a significant influence on how you feel day to day. Um, one mom friend of mine made a big deal about the fact that she is getting off of social media between now and like Thanksgiving because she just can't take it anymore. And I thought, well, you know what, then I'm not the only person feeling this way. And this is definitely a topic we should talk about. But it's not just during the political season that um, social media can get out of control and can be a negative influence in our lives. It's actually all seasons where it can get out of control. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the role that it plays in our lives, the ways in which our lives are different today than they were years ago, because specifically because of social media. And while I know this is a topic that affects men too, I think it uniquely affects women because of our nature of noticing details and of tending to compare ourselves to other people, that social media can be a real distraction for us. Um, You know, we're focused on relationships, which is great. It's a beautiful gift that we have as women, this ability to value and focus on relationships and building relationships with other people. And social media, yes, can be a way to do that. It can be a way to connect with other people. I love, love seeing 
just a quick little Instagram photo from some people, even people that I haven't seen since college or even since high school sometimes. Just a little picture of, you know, them having a cup of coffee with their dog or, you know, it's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. But it's, it's I do understand the value of that connection. And I do recognize the value of that connection. It's, it's real. I'm not dismissing all of social media as not real. But it's important to think about and to be discerning about how much time we're going to spend on it and how much we're going to allow it to influence our lives. I know, because I have been victim of it uh, many times, the temptation to get sort of sucked into a social media vortex or spiraling downward, circling the drain, like, oh my gosh, you know, oh, she said this, and then she liked that, and then she made this comment, and then, and I'm saying she here because it usually is women who are interacting this way <laughs> on social media. Um, you know, if there's somebody that you're friends with or frenemies with on Facebook and you feel a sense of competition about it, that's not a healthy influence in your life. Same with Instagram. If somebody posts things and you immediately feel threatened by it, if you feel even just the inklings of jealousy or, you know, wanting to gossip about that person because of these things that they share on social media, cut it out of your life. Do not follow that person. Or if they're going to be social ramifications for unfollowing or unfriending, then mute them. You know, we have these tools. And yet I think too often we let ourselves kind of become victimized by social media. And I, I think we, we do that on purpose sometimes because there's there's some level of it that we enjoy. You know, let's be honest here. You know, we like seeing these other details of other people's lives. We like thinking about or talking about or, um, you know, even just in our own minds sometimes feeling superior to other people um, based on what we might look at on social media or letting ourselves get all worked up about, you know, some stupid thing, some stupid person wants to post somewhere. Who the heck cares? And yet we allow social media, I think, in its various forms, whatever, you know, pick your poison. What is the thing that you, you're, you're going to? You're scrolling through every spare moment that you have. Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it Snapchat? Or any one of these millions of other things? Whatever it is, I think they all have, you know, with, with different flavors, the same kind of influence on our lives. And we need to be discerning. We get to be the boss of what is going to influence us, what's going to fill our brain, what's going to, you know, color the way that we're looking at our days. And so if it's something that's, that's positive for you, I know some people who have no problem with social media and they're able to just use it in little bits and they find it encouraging to share different things and um, they use it in a limited capacity. Some people I know that just consume social media um, just looking at other people's posts and hardly post anything themselves and they're very balanced and they're happy with that. That's great. I'm not talking to you. If you're that balanced, I'm happy for you and, you know, write to me and tell me what your secrets are um, because I think many of us are actually stuck in that place of struggling, finding the right balance, finding the right place, the right role for social media to play in our lives. If, you know, when you're examining your conscience before going to confession, if social media is, is coming up or even, okay, let me mention this, text messaging or Facebook messaging um, in groups sometimes can turn ugly, sometimes can turn gossipy really nasty stuff sometimes, especially among groups of women. Let's be honest about the role that this is playing and, and how this is shaping our hearts and our minds and how this is forming our friendships with other women. 
I'm a big believer in women supporting women, women being encouraging and affirming of one another, because I think we have a unique capacity to do that for one another. But we also have unique capacity for tearing each other apart, and social media is a way that can do that. So, you know, at the end of your day, this is a good thing to do, I think, when you're trying to decide what role social media should play, if you should limit it in some capacity. Um, at the end of your day, just think back on your day and think about, you know, what were your best moments? What were your worst moments? What were, um, you know, what what made you feel good? What made you feel bad? What inspired you and encouraged you? What di- discouraged you? You know, f- figure out what those things are, what those trigger things were during your day. And social media might very well be playing a part in that. If you're scrolling through Facebook and having negative feelings about yourself or others, uh, negative thoughts about yourself or others because of what you're seeing there, why do you need that in your life? Why are you doing that to yourself? You know, I think sometimes it's important for us to remember because we feel like it's so important. I need to be there. I There's that FOMO, fear of missing out that they talk about with regard to social media. And as dumb as we can recognize that it being, that feeling can be real. Like, oh, what if everybody's talking about this on Facebook and I don't know? And I certainly have been there where somebody assumes I know something because we're friends on Facebook. Well, I didn't happen to see your post about whatever. You know, connect with me in real life. Um, so yeah, there are going to be those moments if you remove social media from your life, but it's, I'm not saying you have to remove it completely, but put it in its place, you know, maybe take it off of your phone. That's a nice place to start if you're looking to control social media consumption in your life, that taking it off of your phone, which is something I've done the last two lengths, um, taking all the apps off, you can do that. It's very empowering to realize that you can just take that app off of your phone. You can put it on again, even minutes later, if you want to. You have that kind of control. And I think that probably is the biggest thing with regard to social media that I think that we women need to remind ourselves of. The fact that we get to decide we're not actually victims of it. You do not have to be on Facebook just because everybody else is. You do not have to like that person's photo on Instagram or it's going to, you know, negatively affect your relationship in some kind of way. That's not real. We need to recognize what is real and what is real is we get to control the influence that social media will have in our lives. And that can begin with as simple as controlling what your access is to it. If it's not on your phone, then you're not going to be going there when you're um, sitting in your car waiting for your kid outside of school. Maybe you're going to have a real relationship, a real conversation with somebody, maybe even somebody who's sitting in your car that you would otherwise be ignoring as you're scrolling through social media. Maybe when you're standing in line, you're just going to have a quiet moment to yourself to just maybe offer a prayer to God or notice your surroundings or be grateful for something. You know, I'm not trying to lecture you and say that, you know, you have to remove social media from your phone because, you know, I'm not removing it from mine. But what I am encouraging you to do is do a fair assessment of the kind of control that social media has over you. And what I mean by control is not even just the time. For sure, we waste a lot of time on social media. But, you know, we human beings are going to find ways to waste time even without social media. That's what we do. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that it's just about time that you're wasting, but how it's influencing you. How is it influencing your heart and your mind and your your soul? In in what ways do you let it affect your mood? Maybe in ways you haven't even examined. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do this week is take a look at your consumption of social media, especially in this political atmosphere. Because um, one of the biggest negatives for me about social media is TMI. And what I mean by that specifically right now is politics. I have real life relationships with people in my community, with, you know, 
with other parents at my kids school with people that I work with with people that my kids do sports with whatever it is real relationships with people where I value them they value me we respect each other but then sometimes you find out too much about these people or the kind of nastiness that can come out with negative political interactions on Facebook and it colors and it affects real life relationships. And that's where I think it's sad. You know, uh, I often have come away from Facebook in particular during this political season, like, I didn't want to know that about you. I don't like how it's making me feel about you. So if you're experiencing that, then maybe it's time to think about, you know, putting yourself on a social media diet controlling it, restricting it in some way. I'm not saying cut it all out. I'm not saying, you know, go and be Amish somewhere as attractive as that might seem during this particular political season. Um, But I am going to encourage you to take a hard look at it. Look at how it's influencing you. Look at how it's affecting your mood, how much time you're spending on it, and whether or not you're coming away from it a better person, a better wife, a better mother, a better sister, daughter, friend, worker, whatever. Just think about how it's affecting you and if it's if it's affecting you for the better or for the worse or if it's a neutral influence in your life give it a fair assessment and then decide you get to decide what kind of role you're going to allow it to play in your life you are not a victim hey girlfriends who are we talking to this week it's time for an interview so this week I had a great conversation with um, singer, songwriter, mom, youth minister extraordinaire, Jackie Francois Angel. We had such a great conversation, but I have to apologize for the sound quality on this interview because I usually use Skype to record my interviews, but for some reason the day I was going to talk to Jackie, it just wasn't working for me. Skype was like freezing up and I just really, we had rescheduled this so many times that I just wanted to get it in. So I wound up just recording a phone call over the phone line, which is not excellent. <laughs> so I'm really sorry about that, but I really love the content of this interview and I know you're going to love Jackie too. So I apologize, but I hope you're going to enjoy the content as much as I did here with Jackie Francois Angel. Hi, everybody. I am so happy to have a special guest here with us today on Girlfriends. Jackie Francois Angel is here on the show today. Jackie Francois Angel is a speaker, singer-songwriter, recording artist, and author from Orange County, California. She and her husband, Bobby Angel, travel around the country and sometimes the world sharing their Catholic faith. They reside in Anaheim with their two young daughters, Abigail and Zaley. Welcome, Jackie. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to have you. That's right. That's right. I'm glad we we were able to make the, the time to connect this way. And now, Jackie, going back to when I first ever um, met you, I, I don't know that we've met in person, except we were in the same building. This is when I first became aware of you, was years and years ago when I first ever went to um, the March for Life with big kids in tow. Like, I'd gone with babies, I'd gone in college and whatever, and I ended up at that youth rally that they do in D.C. before the March for Life, and you were, like, the featured singer there, and I just thought you were so awesome. And so I looked you up on Twitter, and there you were, and I started tweeting about you, and I remembered you tweeted back, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like a celebrity. So <laughs> I was so excited to um, – since then, you know, we've, we've connected on Twitter and other social media, and it's just a joy to have watched your your professional life grow, but then even more so your personal life and the beautiful love story between you and Bobby. 
Oh, thank you. And it's funny because I I had heard your name. You know, on Twitter especially, the Catholic well, the Catholic world is so small in general. I know. <laughs> on Twitter, you see certain people, and I'm like, Dale Bean, that's someone I want to be friends with. <laughs> you you see all these Catholic moms, and it's funny because as I but you know, there's a lot of people in youth ministry, and all the youth ministry people know each other. And then there's like the bloggers who know each other, and then the pro life people. So it's kind of fun when worlds collide. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it's been fun to kind of you know get to see you over Twitter and social media, and um, and and yeah, as for growing um, professionally and personally, it's so weird to think how fast God can move. Like I looked at my life five years ago, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't married, and I didn't have two kids, and now I do. <laughs> When, Boom! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, Lord, because, you know, I, I waited 28 years. I was like, Lord, um, you know, whatever you want for my life, I want to do, whether you want me to be a nun or be married. And, and so I feel like sometimes, you know, when you wait on God and, and God's timing, like his plans are so much better than, than our own. And so, you know, I always had people tell me, like, I was too picky, like, Jackie, oh, you're so picky. And, and I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I would rather be single and happy and, like, because God alone is enough for me. Then be miserable in a marriage. (laughs) Right. Good point. (laughs) Yes. And I, so I, you know, I was like, I'm picking because I want like a holy man of God who's going to be an amazing father for our daughter. And sure enough, God had that man in mind for me and he had to search all the way across the country from me to find himself. Right. that is wonderful. I know, and it's, it was wonderful to watch that because, yeah, when I first started following you, you were single. And just seeing the whole romance between you and Bobby and then married and then two beautiful little girls, like, wow, that all changed in a flash. And yes. and I love your perspective that finding happiness as a single person, being content where you are and, you know, not just waiting around to get married before you start your life. I, I think that's great advice to anybody out there who's wondering what God has in mind for them. Start living your life right where you are. Yes, yeah, like your life doesn't start when your vocation, you know, when you you know your vocation. And I try to tell single people, too, that like if you're a joyful single person, you're going to be a joyful married person. And if you're a miserable single person, you're going to be a miserable married person <laughs> because, right. you know, like a relate, you know, sometimes we think that like a marriage or a relationship will like fix all of our problems, and really, mm-hmm. you know, when you're married, it actually like exposes all of the wounds and the brokenness and the problems, and <laughs> uh-huh. and really, just like the healthier you are as a single person, like even if you need counseling or therapy, like you know, just like let God heal those wounds, and and so I I really was like, Lord, do what you want with me while I'm single, because I know I won't be able to travel as much as I do, and I I know. Like, you have a specific purpose for me. And and I also had the – I'm kind of morbid in the sense that I think about death a lot. Um, but I'm always thinking about like, – <laughs> You and St. Francis both. <laughs> I know. But I really think, like, today could be my last day on earth. Like, I, my mm-hmm. vocation might be to be in heaven with God. Like, if I die, to, you know. And so I, I always have mm-hmm. things like, I don't know. I don't know I'm going to live for 90 years. So just – yeah, exactly. St. Francis. I think there was that story of him, like, saying – you know, if I if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, would I change the way I was living today, or would I still kind of do the same things? And right, so I I try to somewhat remember, like you know, I could I could die tomorrow, so I want to make sure I love the people around me. And obviously, I fail, but a lot, but you know, <laughs> have that kind of mindset. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and that we all are failing at that, but keeping that mindset is. 
it's a very Catholic approach. Maybe morbid, but it's, it's very Catholic. You, you were reminding me, uh, my husband and I used to joke about this. There was this little catechism that he, they used to use at a school where he used to teach. Um, it's an old, old catechism called the Penny Catechism. And it just was all set up with questions and answers. And it was like, how should one go to sleep at night? And it was like, lie in your bed and occupy yourself with thoughts of death. And I'm like, what? And that's what these boys were memorizing. And yet the point is the same, that, you know, get your life in perspective. You know, remember that you're going to die. And so even though I wouldn't maybe phrase it that way to my children, <laughs> go to bed right. and think about death. Thank you. <laughs> I, do, I do have a friend who has it tattooed across his chest backwards when he looks in the mirror, it's in Latin, it says, it's what the church fathers would say, you know, remember your death. And so I'm not as morbid as that to get a tattoo across my chest. Yeah. So don't get the tattoo. No. Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah, it does remind us of, and, and actually like the definition of a prophet is somebody who reminds us of heaven in the busyness of everyday life. Because really mm-hmm. that's, sometimes we get overwhelmed with the, the busyness of life and we forget like we're made for another, we're made for heaven. You know, we, this this is not the end. So even when we're, um, you know, when we have death or sickness or, or difficulties, like I get, it's always good to remember that there's hope. Like we're this is not mm-hmm. the end, you know. Right. So. Yeah, it's actually a very hopeful message because if this is yeah. it, man, that stinks. You know. <laughs> yeah, we're eating worm food, and that's not that's not fun. <laughs> no, exactly. So it's a very joyful, hope-filled message. But um, yeah. I, I love that you shared that, and that's a great message to anybody, whatever stage you are in your life, and whatever you're discerning for your vocation. I think is great perspective to have. But I don't want to run out of time before we get to our regular questions here, Jackie. Yeah. So. I do ask the same questions to everybody who comes on. And so let's start with the first one. Can you tell us, Jackie, about a time in your life when you really first ever felt like you triumphed or had a sense of accomplishment, personally or professionally? You know, I was thinking about this question, and this is, it's, you know, obviously there's like little times or like, you know, in college. I I think as a mom, my first, um, my sense of accomplishment was, you know, so my husband and I took Bradley classes. And I think when you've never had a child, you're like kind of terrified about childbirth. And uh-huh. you don't know what it's going to be like. It could last 72 hours. It could last five. I mean, who knows? So for me, our sense of accomplishment came when our first baby, Abigail, we had just moved in our house like a month before. Um, I had, you know, I was like super nesting. So I like got our house is like super 1980s and we redid like so many rooms and, but our child, Abigail, we, we labored at home and I called the hospital in the morning when I, when I, you know, labor was starting, contractions were starting and they told me to come in when my contractions were like four to six minutes apart and mm-hmm. that really never happened. Um, so I, was <laughs> I was in the first stage of labor for like 10 hours, you know, they were 10 to 30 oh minutes apart and then we got to serious labor, but they still weren't, you know, they still weren't four to six minutes apart. And there was a point we were in our bedroom and Bobby was, you know, I, he had to like say Hail Marys and I was like breathing through the Hail Marys. And cause he tried actually like doing an Our Father or Glory be and I'm like, sick of the Hail Marys. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 like the breathing in the Hail Marys is like a little bit, you know, more rhythmic. So I, and then my water broke. And it felt like it exploded. I was like, did you hear that? Like, he was like, no. And I was like, my water just broke. And he's like, we need to get to the hospital. And I said, yeah. I, I tried to sit down and I was like, no, no, no. I was like, her head is right there. Like, she's coming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> we, we looked at each other. We looked at each other. And we're like, we're doing this right here. Like, in our room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
Um, so basically, I I think Bobby was more nervous than I was, but I, you know, my husband. Not a lot of people know this about him, but before he was in, um, before we were married, he was in seminary. Before he was in seminary, he was a firefighter EMT. So for two years, and so okay. I had confidence in him. I was like, you can do this, you know. And I jokingly a few weeks before made him read. We've had a few friends who've delivered their babies on the freeway. Like two two friends have. Got, had such fast labor, they had to pull over on the side of the freeway. So I had Bobby read on, like, how to deliver your own child. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. You were preparing. And, yes. So thankfully, you know, within, like, seven pushes, Abigail was here. We, we called 911. <laughs> the lady was, like, on the oh phone. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, so is she in labor? And Bobby's like, she's crowning, lady. I'm, like, screaming. I'm, like, pushing in the bathroom. <laughs> But our child, it was funny because when you're by yourself, you kind of go into the zone. Like, you know, someone ha- some women have this, like, rush of, like, cry. I just, when baby came out, I was like, is she breathing? Like, you know, you're just in the zone of, like, making sure she's alive. So, for right, me, that right. was like, okay, got a baby out alive. We did it by ourselves. And then the, the <laughs> they're like, they're like, dude, we missed the party. We're like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. That is amazing. Yes, and if our little Abigail becomes a saint someday, we have a relic on our floor, so we can cut that out, you know. Oh, my God. This is where she was born. <laughs> that is so amazing. I am oh, amazed at your strength and your courage in just doing that. Like, I would have freaked out. And uh, never mind, my husband would have freaked out more than me. <laughs> I can't yeah, even I imagine. People, people were like, Bobby, you're like a hero. He's like, yeah, I did all the work. You know, he jokes it. it was real hard on me right right it was really like such a grace like it almost was it was kind of like an out-of-body experience like you're just kind of in the zone and like all right well we're doing this so it's you know it's gonna happen and i don't know it was was amazing it was pretty amazing so wow yeah what an amazing story yeah i feel like that was a personal accomplishment (laughs) Like our first uh, for sure. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that is, that one, like, wins the prize, I think. <laughs> and, and, you know, and there's something just, I think, so empowering about giving birth. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of emotions involved and there's fears involved. But ultimately, it has always been my experience, and I've had all different birth experiences with my kids, but that... I come away from it feeling really empowered as a mom. And I know not everybody has their ideal experience, and for sure we've had births where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I really wish it hadn't gone that way. And you do spend some time, you know, kind of grieving your perfect birth that you had in your mind. But I always do have that sense of accomplishment that I think that God really means to give women in that moment of childbirth. Like, you can do this because, you know, as hard as labor is, the real work, as we know, comes afterwards. <laughs> and, um, yes, what you're yeah. what you're trying to accomplish as a mom, and that's what takes that strength and that courage and um, that kind of confidence in yourself. And so, I really feel like that's part of God's plan for for moms, for women in that moment of childbirth to give them that shot in the arm, like, "Here's your adrenaline, <laughs> mom. Yeah, Go do this amazing. thing for the next 18 years, or actually, yeah. never ending." I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm 40, 44, and my mom is still laboring for me, you know? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, for me, I felt that way, too. I remember I was in labor with our last, with our Zaley, who is, she's now seven months old, and we actually got to the hospital at that time, and she came in, like, three hours. Nice so job. Good. Yes, we made sure to get there. Um, but But I remember laboring, and, 
you know, again, Bobby was like playing Hail Marys with me. And it was kind of cool because it was a witness. There was a, there was a nurse. They have midwives and nurses at the hospital I delivered at. And, Mm -hmm. um, the nurse was with us and she, she kind of, I think she was raised Catholic, but she doesn't like practice anymore. And so the fact that like Bobby (laughs) was like saying Hail Marys for me and I was just breathing, like I wasn't making a lot of, I think it was just a witness to her. Like, she just doesn't wow. see very many men praying with their wives. And so mm-hmm. that was a really cool experience because she, she even made a comment. She's like, you know, I just feel like this birth was special for me. And uh, But also I Aww. remember being in labor, labor with Bailey, and I'm like, this hurts like hell. Why do we do this? And then after she came, I was like, I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and there in the nutshell, you have the insanity of motherhood. <laughs> It's the, it's the the agony and the ecstasy. I tell people it's like the it's like the cross and the resurrection. Like that's it's like going through it's like mm-hmm. the agony and the ecstasy of like it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it might be partly hormones or whatever, but I also agree with your description of it kind of being an out of body experience, kind of surreal when you're looking back on it. Like yeah. Oh my gosh, did did I really do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and things are a little a little fuzzy around the edges and um you know, but I think that's part of the beauty of it. And um, you know, I could talk forever about childbirth, but um I think you know, I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you props for that that triumphant accomplishment, Jackie, because I mean that is so amazing. So now we have to move on to a mistake so that you know, we can't yeah. we can't enshrine you just yet. We right. <laughs> I think we learn we learn a lot from our mistakes and people have shared in beautiful ways here on the podcast. And so maybe um moving on, Jackie, can you just tell us about a mistake you once made and what did you learn from that mistake? Okay, when I thought I was laughing because I was like, Well, which one of like the millions do you want to hear? <laughs> so I think for me, I uh I was trying to think like which again, like which one do I tell? And um a few times. I have I, I sometimes my um my joking is inappropriate and it hurts people and so I thankfully have friends who are like holy enough that they will call me out and have that mm-hmm. really tough conversation where they like call me and say, Hey Jackie, when you said this, this really like hurt me and and I you know, obviously I you know, you feel it's like your pride is wounded and like but you also feel awful and terrible and so I'm really mm-hmm thankful for friends who will call me out when I've said like really hurtful things or prideful things. And, and, um, yeah, I think it just, it, what I've learned from it. And again, I still do it. Like, you know, I think, um, sure. I still say stupid things sometimes and hurt people with my words. And, um, but I really learned like the value of having friends who will call you out and they'll put their friendship on the line because they want mm-hmm. to be holy. And I, I try to tell people that, like, I would rather have a friend who, who tells me the truth than a friend who's always just like, oh, sure, you know, cause I, I want people who call me to holiness, even when it hurts, mm-hmm. you know. So, right. um, I, and I, yeah, I just remember those really awkward conversations on the phone with those, those friends who were like, who, you know, named at that specific time. And I was just like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. So, um, right. I think it's, help me, you know, just to to watch like how I say things or um yeah, just to, to, to watch how mm-hmm. I say things. But really I think it to me even more points to the fact that I'm really grateful for having really amazing friends like who will who will call me out for being a jerk. 
so that's a good way to put it. Um, we all are jerks sometimes. So I, I completely agree with you that that's a really valuable thing to have in a friendship. That, and and to me, some of my best friends, the ones who are truly my friends, are the ones that I've had those kinds of slip ups with. You know, if you if you know and love and trust somebody enough to kind of make yourself vulnerable to them and say, hey, that. That hurt my feelings, you know. If it's somebody that you don't have that kind of closeness with or you don't value your relationship with them as much, maybe you're not going to bother doing that and you'll just push it off and say, well, whatever, I guess she was a jerk, you know. But for those people who do challenge me in that way, I think that's a beautiful sign of what's an authentic friendship. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and also the fact that you're talking about messing up with your words because that's come up more than once here on the Girlfriends podcast because oh. we women use our words <laughs> and not always in the best of ways, you know. And um, and and some of the best confessions I've had are when I'm confessing sins that are either like gossipy or things that I've said that have hurt people. And there's this one older priest in particular that sometimes visits our parish, and I love to go to him for confession because he's so blunt with me, and he says, well, what did you think would happen? (laughs) You know, and he he was very good about reminding me, once you say something, you can't take it back. You know, err on the side of not not saying anything. And um, I think that's really good advice for, for women from all walks of life because, we do, you know, we're, we're gifted in our words and that's our, that's our natural um, way of communicating. There's lots of words and lots of talking and um, sometimes a joke will go too far. Sometimes you'll, you'll say something um, negative about somebody when that really wasn't your plan, but then before you know it, you're going there. And um, so I think it's important, an important reminder of the power of our words and our responsibility with regard to the things we say. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, maybe we could squeeze in one more because I want to hear what's the best advice you ever received, Jackie, before we get to your lightning round. Um, did Do you have something in mind you want to share about the best advice someone ever gave you? Um, man, yes. I mean, yeah, and I was thinking, okay, again, like I've had, I feel like I've gotten to meet so many wise people. Um, one of my favorite words of advice, though, um, came from a guy named Tom Booth who is, he He's been, like, my spiritual mentor, but also he was, like, my musical mentor. Like, this guy mentored Matt Marr. He mentored our, our, my friend Ikendola. Like, he's such wow. an amazing musician. You know, he's played for Mother Teresa and Pope John Paul. And I just – I since I was a teenager, I just looked up to him so much. And he has a beautiful marriage and family. And he said to me – and this is something that always stuck with me. When I was a single um, woman, I, he said to me, he's like, marriage is friendship with romance. And I saw that with his – wife and it was so beautiful and and so for me I knew that you know when I was like going on dates with certain guys I was like yeah this guy wouldn't be my best friend (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. and some people when when we think best friend like they think of like a gal pal that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about um how I think it was Aristotle he talked about like the three different types of friendships and the highest Mm -hmm. form of friendship is a virtuous friendship and a virtuous friendship is when you have a common goal. And as Christians, like, our common goal is heaven. And so um, I, you know, I think, like, your spouse is somebody who you spend you you spend 24-7 with. And so they absolutely mm-hmm. have to be your best friend. Like, because right. even, some of your best, even some of your best girlfriends you couldn't spend five days with. You know, you would want to kill them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know, it's so I I remember like when I was going on dates and it wasn't just about 
like the feeling or like the, is the chemistry, you know, like the attraction mm-hmm. or like are they good looking? It was, and I remember meeting, when I met Bobby, you know, thankfully it was actually kind of a good thing. He was in seminary at the time, the first time we met. And it really, so obviously we had no ulterior motives. It was like, you know, we actually just had a friendship. And, um, but I remember meeting him like, wow, what an amazing man. Like he's so humble. He, and he's a good looking guy. So he absolutely could totally be cocky, but he is not. Like he is mm-hmm. such a humble, funny, like he's actually very self deprecating. Like he has that kind of funny humor. So, um, yeah, my dad loves, cause my dad makes fun of him all the time. And so when Bobby like, like <laughs> my dad, my dad just was like, oh, my, you know, my dad would laugh. So uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I just remember meeting Bobby. And, again, when we re-met, like, a year and a half after the first time we met, I just, yeah, it was, I, I noticed, like, that friendship was there. And um, we had the same sense mm-hmm. of humor, like, goofy sense of humor. And and just I saw, like, you know, no matter what God's plan was, like, we our ultimate goal was heaven. So for me, that was right. like, good advice because, it made me, you know, think like some people get married just because of the attraction, like, or just because right. the the feelings between them. And so to to like think about it in a sense of friendship, um, mm-hmm. and like like you know, think of like I I try to tell like young girls like think about your best girlfriends. Like, what is what is it about them that makes them your best girlfriend? Like, one, you can totally be yourself. Like, you can be goofy. You can be, you know, you can not have to wear makeup and. Like, you can fully mm-hmm. actually be you. You know, you're not trying to put on this mask with these different, you know, you're not trying to be somebody else. And I feel like all the guys I dated before Bobby, I was, I wasn't fully me. You know, I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I could be, because I'm, you know, I've been going to daily mass since I was 18, and I love the rosary, and I love adoration, but I'm also right. a little goofball. So some guys, and I think <laughs> funny, you know, so, so funny. <laughs> Good thing, because you're a mom of these little girls. <laughs> exactly. Like, some guys would take the, the religious part of me, but they couldn't take my humor. Or some guys would like the humor, but they wouldn't sure. like the fact that I went to daily mass. Or, and when when it came with, to Bobby, it was like he loved me as I was. You know, he loved all of me. Mm-hmm. So that was... Wow. Was so that's easy. the friendship with romance. Yeah. 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 That is super advice because it led to you discerning your spouse. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think you made a pretty good pick for you. So um, oh, that is yeah. <laughs> that I is such great advice. Man. And I'm yeah, a better man. <laughs> I just oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. You guys are so perfect together. I just I love watching you from from my distance all the way across the country. But. Um, so inspiring to to watch the the beauty of your young family and it brings back a lot of memories for me of my early marriage but I love that that idea of marriage as friendship with romance because I'm always telling women yeah your your husband's not your best friend but what I mean by that is don't use him like a girlfriend that you're going to like right. you know dump all your talking on and expect him to respond to you as a woman would you know yeah, and not your so it, you know exactly right but definitely the soul you're closest to here on earth and the one you're most responsible for getting to heaven yeah he's that one so yes absolutely in that um aristotle virtuous friendship um of course we we need to look at our spouses that way and having that in mind when you're looking for a spouse is so important yeah and it's again it's a person i always felt so strange when i met married couples and I have some close to me that, like, they're, they're they're older that, like, they never could really be completely vulnerable with each other. And I just – it made me so sad. Like, they couldn't right. fight with each other properly. And I'm like, I 
I absolutely need to make sure I know how to fight with my husband properly, you know, like that we can have mm-hmm. we can have arguments and 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 still like be able to be vulnerable with each other because again, like um this is a person who is going to see all of you spiritually, physically and and uh, like I just I kind of mourn when I meet marriages where like they can't even bring up hard topics because they're afraid that their spouse is going to blow up at them or whatever you know i know um i was like i want to be able to fight with my husband but laugh with <laughs> my husband and dance you know like i just and it's like, all of it all of it you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, great so i yeah you know god is faithful and i'm i just I Bobby's better man than he's a he's a better human being than I am so I'm just (laughs) thankful you know yeah yeah and and that's a a great way to approach marriage I think and um that can be every couple's goal is is that that kind of openness and being yourself with one another so important and such a, a vital part of a real relationship I think so very good point, Jackie. All right, well, we're going to run out of time, so we got to do your lightning round, Jackie. This is just okay. the way the way I kind of put um, girlfriends on the spot here on girlfriends podcast. We just do sixty seconds of some fast, fun questions. They're not too hard, so you don't have to worry. Okay. I'm <laughs> so nervous. Are you okay? Good, good. I like it when you get nervous. That's good. All right, okay. are you ready? Okay, this is Jackie Francois. Angels lightning round on the Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, Jackie, what's the most challenging part of balancing work and family for you? Oh, um, just, yeah, yeah, it's, I guess just juggling. It's it's a lot of work. Like, it's, mm-hmm. um, for me, when it comes to traveling, like, there's a lot of people involved. And so it really takes a village. Like, that, it's hard for me to, like, you know, say goodbye to my little toddler. But I'm always trying to make sure that Bobby's here, my mom is here, you know. So mm-hmm. that's just, that's the toughest part is the travel. I wish I could snap my fingers and just be oh. just I hate I hate the traveling part of yeah. taking so long to get there and being away from my family. So Right. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, and when you get a moment alone and you lock the door, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? <laughs> well, okay. the first thing I thought of this is pretty funny, is that every mom every mom knows that like it's a it's an, a magical feeling to be able to like poop by yourself without your kids. <laughs> <laughs> you have set the bar real low for guilty pleasures, Jackie. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna end your lightning round right there, Missy. <laughs> You've got to do better for yourself. <laughs> Yes. Go to the bathroom. It's a luxury. Myself, I feel like I that know. is a triumph it's... for the day as a mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you after, you know, all these years after toddlers, um, that it does get better. It does get easier in that sense. So, you know, your, your life gets harder in other ways, but easier in those ways. <laughs> right. There is hope for your future. I'm a mom who is like two under two, you know, or like I have a two-year-old and a mm-hmm. seven-month-old. So these are the... Right. Like, that oh, is, man, you're that. in the thick, yeah. thick of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love that. That was, that was a hilariously memorable lightning round, I think. <laughs> we can count on you, Jackie. So excellent. All right. Well, before we have to go here, Jackie, is there something you're working on? What, what kind of projects are you working on now that you're excited about? Maybe something you could share with us. 
So I, after like four or five years of not recording a song, I'm actually recording a single right now, um, and I'm super excited. It's uh, it's called Beating of My Heart, and so that'll be out on probably on iTunes maybe in a few months. And then nice. Bobby and I are actually writing a book with Pauline Crest, um, nice. and this book is for it's a theology of the body devotional for married couples. So we're super oh. excited for that to come out next year. Oh, can't wait. That sounds wonderful. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you so much for sharing your beautiful self here on Girlfriends today. And thank you for all the beautiful ways that you share and give of yourself to young people of the church, to your fellow women of the church. It's so encouraging and inspiring to watch you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so good to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, it was great to finally connect. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Jackie. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Isn't Jackie just hilarious? Uh, You know, like I told you, I think that content is worth the um, lower quality of the recording suffering through that. So thanks for putting up with that. And I hope that won't happen again in the future. And also, I'm sorry that I don't have any of my transition music and other sound effects that I usually have for the interview portion. I am still figuring out this new version of GarageBand, and um, I'm hoping to not delete this recording again in the process of trying to record the second part of it. Um, But bear with me. I'm going to get it figured out. I just don't have the time before I put this episode out. And so you have to listen to a naked recording. Really apologize for that. If you happen to be a GarageBand expert, um, I would love to hear from you your tips and tricks for figuring out this new version. I'm sure I'll get it, but um, I felt very comfortable with my older version. And now that I have this new one to deal with, I'm not so comfortable. Uh, So anyway, if you have any encouragement or tips or tricks there, if you're a podcaster or if you do any recording of your own, let me know. But give me your feedback too, Danielle at daniellebean.com. Let me know what you think about the topics we talked about with Jackie, what you think about today's topic of social media. And I want to give a shout out this week to a couple of our new supporters on Patreon. I want to thank Barbara and Emily, who are the newest supporters of the Girlfriends Podcast on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash girlfriends is where you can go to find out how you can pledge your financial support, even a small amount, even just a dollar per episode. It means a lot and it gives me a lot of encouragement to keep on producing the show, helps me to promote the show, helps me to get it in front of more people, share girlfriends with more people and get the word out about girlfriends. So I am so grateful for that support and the encouragement encouragement that it gives me and the affirmation it gives me that you want me to be doing this, that you want me to continue to be doing this. So you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. And I do have some more feedback from Sarah Reinhardt, who is getting to be a regular here on the show. Um, But I'm going to hold on to it till next week, just because I'm running out of my own personal time. You know, I already told you, I I have my work day ahead of me, and um, I need to fit in that run some point. So I'm going to minimize my learning curve here with the new podcast equipment, new software with GarageBand, and um, limit the time that I'm investing in this and get this show out there for you. And hopefully by next week, I'll be a little more practiced a little bit um a little bit less likely to delete a whole episode after i've recorded it that would be awesome but in the meantime i want to thank you for being here your presence really means a lot to me i love it when i hear back from you but i also love just knowing that you're out there listening and that you're a supportive part of this girlfriend's community which i really feel like we've built here i hear from people all the time who are praying for other people who are listening and i know that i keep you in my prayers so know that know that i am encouraged and i feel very much 
that you are a part of this community and an important part of it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the ways that you support Girlfriends. And until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Thank you.